my God, that was quite a movie to invite you <laughs> over to watch. It yes. was. I'm sorry. I apologize. Well, well, you know, you're gonna have to make it up to him by inviting me uh, for a classic film. Okay, great. that I will come back and in watch. Ten years. In ten years or something. And, and sure. You're, you're on Citizen next Kane. year. Hey everybody, <laughs> welcome to the 500 Greatest Films podcast. Uh, my name is Hector Navarro. Sitting across from me is my buddy Keller Knobloch. Say hi, Keller. Hi. We just watched. Oh my God. Um, what did you watch. That's not what it's called. Some of these are getting real tough, y'all. They're getting real tough. But our guest today... They should be getting better. If you... In theory. They should be. In theory. Mm. More people wrote this on their list than Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, my God. Or Rebel Without a Cause. Yeah. Yeah, that's accurate. Our guest today, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this and you care about discussing film on the internet, you've heard his voice before, you know who he is, you've seen his shows... He is the outlaw, <laughs> what? Mr. John Roca. He's here. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. This is. Thank you. I'm looking forward to this interesting discussion about this film. Uh, okay, so, well, I, and, and for the record, we saw this at 8 a.m. on a Saturday morning. So, <laughs> yeah. this is interesting com- conversation now. It's the way to wake up. <laughs> yeah. um, let's get right into it. The only thing that we really have on our list that we do, John, is mm-hmm. we have Keller because you accurately uh, identified this magazine earlier as a British magazine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is a British magazine empire magazine and the films on here are range there the point is is that this was put together by british people so yeah. keller is now going to tell us which film we watched with his british guy voice oh. to kind of get us in the mood and okay. then read a little blurb in the magazine that sets All up right. the movie here we go what do we watch today keller 476 santa sangre 1989 director alejandro jodorowsky Sick, twisted, and very, very bloody. That, that's actually a curse word where I'm from. Jodorowsky's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> tale of madness, revenge, and hacked-off limbs draws from a variety of inspirations culminating in an influential freak show of a movie. That's a perfect description. I yeah. guess. I mean, I guess. Uh, it makes just- it sound... Better than what I watched. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just get into this. John, what were yeah. your overall thoughts? You had not seen this movie. No. Had you heard of it? I had heard of it, um, you know, in passing because uh, when you hang around with enough uh, weird yeah. friends, yeah. they bring up weird movies that they enjoy. Uh, and Jodorowsky is definitely somebody that they had enjoyed for quite some time. And I'd heard about uh, Santa Sangre for quite some time as well, especially being friends with John Schnepp mm-hmm. and the weird stuff he's into mm-hmm. in terms of film and, and comics and stuff. Uh, I'd heard this in passing. And so, and then I I knew he was going to do a Dune. And so yeah. I was looking forward to seeing this, yeah. thinking like, what what would be his take on Dune? Because everyone was, not everyone's the biggest fan of Lynch's take. And so uh, they thought he'd do a better job of it. And uh, coming out of the movie, I would say, <laughs> I think they made the right choice, not yeah, letting Jodorowsky do Dune. Because uh, this was what old. that would be. Yeah. Definitely a lot more bloody. And overwhelmingly symbolic and yeah. I think you already got that with the Lynch version so I don't yeah. think there'd be that much of a difference to be honest yeah. with you. I yeah. I've only read the book yeah what were your overall thoughts on the film Santa Sangre what'd you think me uh, yeah. I, it's a terrible film I absolutely hated it I yeah. would have I within an hour I was within 30 minutes I was like nope this is one of these like yeah. uh, avant-garde type pieces and I'm not really built to 
enjoy those kinds of films because they strike me as at times uh, masturbation from yeah, yeah, a student yeah. film point of view. Yeah. And, and you know, Jodorowsky. Man, he should have been here for a flash, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just, you know, it's, it's yeah. not that I, I, I love heavy symbolism films. I love films that make you think. And because and, what the one thing I enjoy the most about films is exploring the analytical side and like what's the symbolism, what's the director mm-hmm, trying to mm-hmm. say, those kinds of things. But with this, this was so. Uh, out there and so you it felt like a work so hard yeah right it, it felt like a Mondo film one of those Mondo yeah. films mm-hmm. from back in the early 80s mm-hmm. that they made and so to me overall I, it, I, it, it was a tough experience there were moments though where I was like uh, interested in what he was trying to do the director and what the actors and but the acting is mostly bad the script is weird and they jump from things to things to things and you can't you can't hide everything under oh I'm crazy like there has yeah. to be more going because on because his motivations change right throughout. Yeah, yeah. Just decides he wants to be invisible at one point. Yeah, yeah. the Invisible Man, an hour and forty minutes into the yeah. movie. Is what awesome. the yeah. hell was that? Oh, yeah. this movie could have been easily thirty minutes shorter. <laughs> yeah, this movie could have had entire storylines taken and out more of it, cohesive, and it would have been more cohesive. Yeah. My problem with it too is like I, I'm right there with you, John. I'm totally okay with heavily symbolic films, mm. and I'm fine with the sort of surrealistic fantasy type mm-hmm. you know especially from filmmakers like Guillermo del Toro like right. um, Alejandro like I would Iñatru. watch Sam Raimi make this movie again yeah yeah, yeah sure that would be cool yeah, yeah but Sam Raimi is a very I, I feel like he's a little bit more gritty mm-hmm. but he still does like even his Spider-Man movies are fantasy but I feel like he's a little bit more grounded but when it comes to this stuff like avant-garde yeah. like yeah like it reminded me of Tim Burton except mm-hmm. that it was nowhere near as uh, fully fantastical. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because of the budget. Maybe because the movie was made for mm-hmm. like forty thousand dollars or whatever the budget was. Mm-hmm. But I feel like um, if you're gonna attempt stuff like this, go full blown Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go, go full nuts. on. Go nuts. And, I was expecting this movie to be more me too. nuts mm-hmm. with what the description was, was yeah. and what I'd heard yeah. of it. I was expecting it to be like the sequences where. A guy had sulfuric acid thrown on his genitals. Yeah. We Great were right sequence. We were all there for it. I was expecting right. the whole movie to be that bonkers and I was ready for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The fact that that happened and then nothing happens for an hour and a half and then another kind of like crazy, crazy thing shit happened. does happen throughout. Like the kid gets an eagle tattooed onto his chest. Yes. As a child. <laughs> yes. Uh, the kid's mother has her arms cut off. Yes. Mm hmm. You know, uh, he he then later kills a person with a samurai sword. Like it's kind it, it's kind of kooky, but maybe because I've seen other movies that have uh, that have done this thing better, mm-hmm. I feel like it's just not. Yeah, it didn't do it for me. Yeah, Keller. Um, <laughs> I liked parts of it, <laughs> like their shots and like the elephant thing where everybody just oh, like yeah. it zooms out on this dying elephant and the band comes in playing. Mm-hmm. I loved that. Mm-hmm. That was super cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, the elephant funeral when they dump mm. it into the dump. Yeah, I loved that part when all the extras come out in gray. That's really cool. Like right. there's it's like eating the flesh of the elephant. Yeah, mm-hmm. they do. Like he did cool stuff throughout, mm-hmm. but it doesn't add up to anything. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. It was a badly made film. You talked about yeah. just the acting, the directing, the editing, the pacing, the set design. The it wasn't you know. put together well. The mm-hmm. woman who played uh, the main character's mother, that actress, I liked her a lot. I yeah, she was, yeah. She, she, was, was good. she was good and compelling, and and they all had crazy, insane lines and things to do. Yeah, you yeah. know. But um, I thought that she was good. But yeah. Well, I don't know if you guys know this, but it's based on a famous serial killer in oh, Mexico. Really? Yeah, I did the, not know that. Yeah, this oh. guy named Goyo. Uh, he strangled four women. 
Wow. And he was, I mean, for serial killer, famous yeah. for, for, you know, yeah. but still, uh, he was uh, uh, arrested and convicted and he spent like 20 years in a mental institution or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he even got married while he was in prison. Mm. Just to, but he ended up coming out of prison. He became, I think he became a, a famous chemist, a writer, a painter, and his paintings sold for like high prices because wow. of that infamy, right? Yeah. Because of all the yeah. infamy and stuff. Yeah. So, so, so there were elements of the guy's story, mm-hmm. and his his excuse or what they found out in doing his story was that his mom had been so domineering through his life, mm-hmm. had and so wanted to control him with every woman that he was with, wouldn't let him be with other women, blah blah, blah that kind. Of, so it drove him insane. Mm-hmm. And you know, watching Mindhunter, which I just finished, when uh, it goes a, dark. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Women are the devil, Bobby Boucher. <laughs> uh, watching uh, Mindhunter over the last couple of weeks, uh, you see that sometimes you, these people come out of these situations where the mother is overly domineering or the father mm-hmm. is physically abusive, and so you have these things happening. And so uh, that was definitely throughout the whole movie, I think. Am I pumping too hot? No, no, no. You're okay. Good, you're good. That was definitely a thing throughout the whole movie is how yeah. much she like controlled his life. And then. Well, anytime then, he would try to be with a woman to like, kill her. Right, right. With my hands. And apparently he tried to be with many women when they were all coming out of the graves in yeah. the whole sequence yeah. at mm-hmm. the end there. Yeah. That was also a cool sequence. Yeah, right. Yeah, I never want to see this movie again, you guys. <laughs> yeah, it, just, okay. it was just a yeah. bear. But we had some, we had some drinks. We had like at a Halloween party, I would put this on in the background, the screen, sure, while some like music's playing. So, I would, yeah, I'd only yeah. put this on if like I had weird hipster friends, yeah. college friends coming <laughs> yeah, over yeah. to hang out. Exactly, right? This and Suspiria, and then uh, afterwards, all uh, any oh, yeah, of the weird stuff. So. I was gonna check to see if Suspiria. I like Suspiria. Yeah. Yeah, you like that original? The yeah. list mm. later. That I'm music sure is. is so cool. Yeah, yeah. Check here because this this is uh, Jodorowsky's only horror film. Uh, so this is the only time he did a Have horror film. Have you seen film. his other? Any of his other uh, yeah, I've seen a couple of his other films, and one is like a western. Okay. And one. So he, this is the only time he went into horror, and so he didn't. He didn't. He messed with the cliches of horror a lot in this film. So in that way, it certainly has a little bit of credibility with that mm-hmm. because of the. You know, you do see the elements of psycho. You see the elements of obviously, mm-hmm. uh, you know, killing virginal women in this world, killing women that are dirty in in this way. But then also having the virginal woman come save him. Yeah. You know, you see that sometimes mm-hmm. in certain tropes. But like uh, some of the symbolism, though, I thought like him wrestling with the snake, that kind of thing. I yeah, thought it was that a, was it's a bit heavy handed. It was very heavy. There's a lot of on the nose <laughs> right, stuff. Right. In this. Uh, a snake comes out of the man's trousers and right. it is his uh penis and he <laughs> but has it to wrestle with actually it. his penis because oh, he's right. just, oh python. guys by the way this happens within a tiny little trailer that is also a chemical shop because he's yep. trying to buy chemicals <laughs> because he loves the invisible man <laughs> yeah. and he wants to turn himself invisible mm-hmm. they establish hour and a half into this movie and it's like you can't be your hero the invisible man right, <laughs> right after they showed a poster of the invisible man on his wall right yeah and then the movie becomes about him trying to Become invisible for a minute. I'm just going to say this right now. You could have cut that whole part out of the movie. That's what I think. (laughs) Well, you couldn't because the lady who sells him the chemicals is the one who calls the police, which is who comes and gets him at the end. She shows up for her date. I would have rather watched an hour and a half movie and ask the question, who's this woman at the end, (laughs) than have to watch the 30 minutes of him being like, I will now be the invisible man. Aladdin, my assistant, Mm. help me. Well, and for anyone listening, 
who's going, you guys don't get the film, you don't get the symbolism. Oh, no, we got the symbolism. Yeah, yeah. yeah like the, the most... The religious yeah. symbolism. The hard-hitting thing is supposed yeah. to be mm-hmm. him getting fake fingernails taken off of his fingers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's supposed to be a moment. I yeah, get it. We got it. He's releasing his mom's... Yes. Yeah, memory. Like, the symbolism is there to get. They yeah. do yeah. that, like, him separating from his mom. Mm-hmm. There's, like, six things that are supposed to symbolize that at right. the end of that movie. There's, like, yep. okay, now this, now this, now this. Then she disappears. Yeah. Then he raises his hands right. under his own control. Now he has because... his own hands. Now he doesn't have... Huh. But also religion too. The way religion was uh, a super important part of his life, and, and that don't mean that he was like going to church all the time. I mean, like the symbolism of religion mm-hmm. because he was Catholic and everything like that. The it seemed saints, like, but yeah, also the saints his all mom was like, like kind of a part of that cult. Right, right. Yeah. All yeah. of that was a really big part. So who knows? I was expecting that to factor in more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was expecting like that church getting torn down to like start some crazy shit. Well. It kind of did, because she didn't have to well, go to yeah. the church anymore. Mm-hmm. So she was at the circus more. They yeah. got her arms cut off because she saw yeah. that dude having uh, sex with uh, the, the tattooed, tattooed lady. Tattooed lady. Yeah. This Never. movie's insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's bonkers. And poor John agreed to come and watch this. And normally, I did. Normally we... Uh, Sight unseen. Sight I feel, unseen. I feel really bad because I, I assigned this movie to you. You I'm did. Like, oh, okay. This is a Mexican film. Yeah. Right? I'm like, this will be perfect. I was John, like, this is This is going to be great. Uh, it's kind of Would violent. you have rather watch The Sun's Room? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Although I no, I, I did kind of select that one of the three three ones he sent me. But yeah, yeah, yeah. There are better Spanish films out there oh, for I us know. to go yeah. see. I know. That's why... Watch. Okay. So, John, I had you sort of peruse the list before oh, yeah. we started. Mm-hmm. You automatically disagreed with the number one pick, which is The Godfather. Yeah. And you had a strong statement. What what did you tell me right before we started watching well, the movie? The Godfather Two is better than Godfather One. Ooh. So for, Godfather, it probably is it just because it is. Has, it's way more difficult to do what they did in that yes. movie. Yeah. But I yeah. do enjoy the first one more. The first one yeah. is the first one is good. Obviously, it's great. Yeah, right. It's great. great. Film. great yeah, movie. it's awesome. But the jumping back but and forth—that's does... incredible. Yeah, it is. And expanding the world. Did you watch that yep. seven-hour cut? Where yes, they of course. Chronologically, did it. Mm. It's so cool. Yeah, mm. my, this has been a staple of my life since I was the Godfather films. The Godfather films yeah. since yeah. I was I ten to twelve. Yeah. What? Nor should you. Okay, I don't need to. If oh, they could, come on. it's not that bad. If they could release a cut without any of the Sofia Coppola scenes, then you would enjoy the movie. Okay, she is pretty bad. Well, come over and I'll get you to fast forward through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, up, one bad movie. Up. One bad movie a year is enough with you oh, guys. No, that's okay, what I'm saying. All oh, of Garcia stuff Pacino, is great. A lot of the Pacino stuff is great. Yeah. Too. Anything with Coppola yeah. though is terrible. Except wow. for the end scene where she drop even when she drops to her knees, the end scene is terrible, but you get his reaction, which yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. She goes, Dad, it's the worst fucking moment in the world ever. <laughs> oh I'm allowed to cuss, right? I'm sorry. Yeah, say whatever you want. So anyway, yeah, yeah. So this is an interesting list, and you know, I don't know what year this came out, but like 2008. 2008. So we're right. working, John, we're working off of a 10-year-old list already. Wow. <laughs> and it's gonna take us 10 years. <laughs> I respect. I want to see what happens. By oh, the yeah. time Check this in. is over, this list will be 20 years old. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'd like to be your your like one. A movie a year. Yeah. I would like oh, to at please. least do That's one movie a year with you please. guys. Our, our plan, John, was that with just the amount of people that we know, and, and yeah. our plan was to have a different guest on each week for our first year. Wow. The first 50 movies. Okay. And it hasn't been difficult. I mean, okay. we, you and yeah. I, between the two of us, just us alone, and Keller knows a bunch of great comedians and film enthusiasts, oh, cool. and everybody, but like just the people we know is right. like, oh, there's more than enough people to, to yes. know, once a week. And to ask. So, but our plan is already to have a lot of our, our friends come back mm-hmm. next year and to kind of maybe follow cool. along with us and. Cool. and 
and as we take go on this journey. Yeah, because I have a lot. Um, I could do a whole podcast about my issues with this entire list. Yeah, how Ben Hur is at four ninety one below <laughs> Dude, Sweeney Todd. <laughs> fucking tell me about it. Come on, below Sweeney Todd. We were yeah. on our feet cheering during the chariot race. Yeah, because it's thrilling. Yeah. Ben it's so incredible. good. It yeah. holds up so well. It yeah. does. We yeah. saw it again for the cinephiles the other day uh, for Easter. We mm-hmm. did it for Easter. Mm-hmm. That was that's almost a good Easter movie. Yeah, and that was almost. Well, that's my tradition is to watch it on Easter. I shut down, like I shut down my day in the morning. Yeah, because I don't, you know, I don't live at home anymore with my, you know, I don't live in Virginia. Rather than go over with my mom, I live yeah. here. So every morning I shut it all down, have a nice breakfast, shut it all down, sit down, and, and then watch. you have Sunday service. Watch Ben. No, yeah. no, I don't go to Sunday service. <laughs> I'm saying Ben, but I do watch Sunday Ben. Hur. It is my Sunday. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Because I have the 50th anniversary collection thing, which has... Oh, that big box set? Yeah, and has Heston's wow. diaries. Let's let Charlton Heston for, take us to church. Oh, my gosh. Wow. If you let me do really? a whole... I would do a whole podcast as Charlton Heston. It was fascinating. Are you going to do your Charlton Heston It questions? was a great film. <laughs> oh, yes. I enjoyed it. <laughs> me and my brother do... This man... I know this man. Yeah, it's great. He's great. Me and my brother do the arm grab thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Keller described that. It's yeah. the way we greet each other. We'll oh, just my act God. Like we're nonchalantly just like looking around and all of a sudden <laughs> grab each other super intensely. My mom, I always do the scene when Masala dies for my mom because my mom loves me to do that scene. We'll just mm-hmm. randomly, and I'll just start going, I'll just go. <laughs> <laughs> The race is not over, Judah. <laughs> and then, and then, and then Judah look for them in the valley of the lepers. <laughs> and then Judah's reaction is <laughs> like, I love that. I love that. It rivals Kaitel's reaction and Reservoir Dogs when Homie tells yeah. him he's a cop. Yeah. So you know those kinds of. Th- so it's no business being a four ninety one or whatever it is. It's it ridiculous. Wasn't. Yeah, this has been it's one of the more epic movies ever made. Yes, and I don't like that word. <laughs> Yeah, but it is epic. Yeah, yeah. people throw a that word around epic. too much. It mm-hmm. is epic. I have loved doing this thing with Keller once a week because mm-hmm. I had yet to see Ben Hur. Oh wow! So I find you know what I mean. Yeah. It's like I've heard about it my whole life. I know mm-hmm. it's this classic, so I finally have this excuse to sit down and watch this great movie. Right. And then there are weeks like this where you got to get through. <laughs> we got to get through Santa Sangre. Like a few what? stinkers recently. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah? It's what been, was the other one? It's been tough. Flesh. Well, flesh. We, we got to talk about flesh. It's the, oh. the worst one on the list so far. The big red one was okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you yeah. got Lee Marvin, man. It, and listen, and it was great. You can Marvin. do with Lee Marvin. A lot of that was me Lee saying... Lee Marvin is great in it, too. ...was me mm-hmm. saying, I saw Saving Private Ryan when I was like 12 mm-hmm. or 13 mm-hmm. for the first time. So mm-hmm. to me, that is World War II. And that, it's just so tough to, right. to top that, because I don't think you can. That's so, so funny, because yeah. obviously I'm older than you, so my perspective is mm-hmm. different. And then I saw so many old school mm-hmm. World War II I didn't, films. I didn't River see Kwai. any of those. Oh, yeah. yeah. River Kwai, all of that stuff before I ever saw Saving Private Ryan. For sure. Private Ryan was like... Leveling up, oh yes. yeah, those World War Definitely. II films. Absolutely. So it was incredible. Yeah. So that, so that one was it was interesting. Yeah. Uh, what else have we done? I mean, the Sun's Room. Yeah, the Sun's Room is a. Is that the Sissy Spacek one? No. What's no. the Sun's? Oh, in the bedroom, the Sissy Spacek. Yeah. What's the, the Sun's Room? Is the is like an Italian uh, uh, movie. It's just like a drama about a guy who's a therapist whose son, who's like uh-huh. in high school, dies, and then the family's just kind of dealing with it. Wow. And it's fine. Oh, yeah, it was okay. fine. It, it, it wasn't the saddest thing. It felt thing. very it much just like a generic Indian movie about a guy whose son mm-hmm. dies. Yeah. Wow. I mean, so that one that was That would like, have like Sandra Lurchie playing over it. Like, <sighs> oh, okay. And we had it a, won the Palm d'Or. Yeah, I know. I know. Wow. It's know. very weird. It's also really interesting to go and watch these movies throughout cinema history. I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen the oldest movies I feel like we've seen so far. What's the oldest one we've seen so far? We saw Jailhouse Rock. Rebel oh. Without a Cause is pretty old. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shut up, Keller. <laughs> I mean, you, you young bastards. Well, I mean, it's far it as is like the oldest one on the list. It yeah. is so the oldest far. one, 1955. Yeah. You're right about that. Uh, no, wasn't Jailhouse Rock like 50? No, we watched today. 57? Came out the year before I was born. So. <laughs> 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 oh my God! Some really? Crazy shit before I got here. Jesus yeah. Christ! But, yeah, um, I graduated high school the year before. Go ahead. Yes, <laughs> but it's but it's interesting to see these movies with whatever year they come out in because yeah. we do have to like remind ourselves of the historical context. Right. You know course, what I mean? We course, ha- like we we can't you can't. It's tough to separate how you feel initially about any movie. Period. But you do have to take into consideration the year it came out. Yeah, this and what was Sam was Fuller, who was an old school yeah, yeah, movie yeah, director right, right, making totally. a movie in 1980. Right. So yeah. that's why it doesn't I can, line up exactly. There's a lot anymore. of things in old movies that yeah. I can absolutely appreciate, but I have to be honest with myself and go, well, why didn't the Big Red One work for me? Because I've seen Saber Private. It's just like I'm mm-hmm. just from a different mm-hmm. era, you know, just a different era of filmmaking that I have seen. But with I also that think genre. I also think the great ones transcend that. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yes, the great absolutely. ones are timeless again, for that oh, but reason. We were, Rebel. The Rebel oldest one we cost. did is actually The Secret Life of Walter oh, yeah. Mitty with Danny, Danny Kaye. Yeah. That movie is great. Yeah, that's Hilarious. Great. Danny yeah. Kaye is amazing Hilarious. in it and everything he does in it is timeless. Now, are there things in that that could be updated for my sensibilities? Absolutely. Oh, but yeah, there are just things, because the dynamics with women are yes, different. Yes, the dynamic, right, right. The, some of the storytelling choices, the editing, mm-hmm. all that stuff, but there are still certain scenes and a talented person is a talented person no matter what year they are caught on film. so whatever with his face. And it was cracking us up. You know, and that was a real fun, fun one to watch. That was really good. Did so, you like the remake of it? I, I liked the remake. I, I thought the remake, remake was mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. I didn't love it. Yeah. But after seeing the original, I kind of do want to go back and, and rewatch it. Yeah. To see, to see what it does good, what it does bad. I just, I thought, just thought it was all right. Yeah. So, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. You got yeah. to enjoy Superbad? Yeah. That yeah. must be nice. That was, uh, um, ha- ha- yeah, that was interesting because I love that film. Yeah. Grew up with it. Kind it ages of. weird. Mm-hmm. It ages weird. Yeah, but it's but it's a thing that's like, is it aging weird or is it honest? It's like a, it is a snapshot of that time. Is yes, what it is, is. Mm-hmm. and of it's also high school boys in mm-hmm. two thousand and seven. And there is something a little bit timeless about it because it was Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg who wrote it, and they started writing it right. when they were in high school. Right. So there's there's always going to be this universal thing of like. Dudes are gross in high school. Mm-hmm. They don't know better. They're kind of stupid. They yeah. don't, you know, they think they know how to speak to women and then they don't. And for me, part of that movie, they learn that. But another part, there's a lot of it that still is like. It still well, drops the ball. Still drops the ball. Mm. Uh, I think at, when we were done talking about that, we mm-hmm. were saying that, there, that you can't do a female centric story the same as Superbad. And then I think I was kind of proven wrong. I went to go see Blockers. Yeah, Blockers. blockers. Yeah, my friend Kay Cannon uh, wrote and directed that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And I loved it. Yep. I'm gonna buy it when it comes out on Blu-ray in like yep. a few weeks. But um, but Blockers, I just recently, where I, I mean, I saw it when it came out in theaters. And afterwards, I was like, because I had just we had just recently rewatched Superbad, mm-hmm. and I went, this is the spiritual successor to Superbad. Yeah, except it's Absolutely. able to say positive things about young women's sexuality and mm-hmm. their them figuring that out the way that. Super bad is all dude centric. I'm excited kind of for Bo Burnham's new middle school movie. Oh yeah, he wrote mm-hmm. and directed in a movie about mm-hmm. a girl in middle school. Oh okay, it's mm-hmm. called Eighth Grade, I think. Well, Edge of Seventeen. Uh, I need to watch that. Was, was good as well. Stanfield? Yeah, Field Stanfield. Yeah, Haley Stanfield. Yeah, She's it was great. really good. Her and Woody are great in that movie, and that does cool. too. But like, here's the thing: you're in high school. Like, mm-hmm. no one comes out a 35 year old, fully formed, yeah. mature mm-hmm. adult in mm-hmm. high school. That's mm-hmm. we have to allow for that as well. Like, we mm-hmm. can't just vilify all these films because we've been through those moments and we've had those moments where we're like looking at things a certain way. That's why we mature because we look back at what we used to say, or used to act like, used to be like, yeah. and look at what we're at when you hit 
30, 35, you're like, oh, shit, man, that was dumb. You yeah. Know? And that's that's part of getting older. That's you know? part Definitely. of it. And yeah. after Superbad, I know we had the conversation when we had our guest on, and it was fantastic. Mm. Uh, we, I was like, I think I will hold on to Superbad forever, but if and when I have kids someday, and boys especially, or girls, yeah. watch the movie with them, and then have a conversation with them after. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's all, that's yeah. all it is. Yeah. It's, it's, you don't just leave it in their brain like, okay, and walk right. away. You go, hey, listen, this is from 2006 or whatever. Like, right. we, sh- we need to talk and about... This is- 17 year olds in yeah. 2006 <laughs> exactly uh, Molly Ringwald did that in that essay about 16 Candles like she yeah. said she sat down and talked to her kid and that was the 80s listen the 80s was it for me in my mind the 80s were an innocent time and I go yeah. back and watch those movies and I get some of the complaints but I also sure. go it wasn't as malicious as people were making it out to be it was my sure. experience right oh, yeah, it wasn't sure. as malicious in no my experience it, but I don't know it wasn't anybody's intention to right. make it mm-hmm. right yeah. mm-hmm. to make it that way they, you know they didn't make it to you know, denigrate in that, in that mm-hmm. approach, but you can see it now with 2018 eyes. No, it's pretty clear. Yes. The yeah. Mentality. We watched back to the future part two. Oh yeah. That movie has some problems. That yeah. As well. yeah. Mm-hmm. well, I think, isn't that amazing over the last two or three years, how that's changed. I know you guys, this is your show, but it's oh, interesting. No. That's a lot of what the show is. Okay. <laughs> it was, it's interesting yeah. to watch this stuff now and how we're changing. Yeah. Uh, our points and it's very organic it's like we've mm-hmm. all those of us who are, are analytical people have dialed into this yeah. real completely and see it now mm-hmm. and you're like oh shit now we're having this transition time of like how do I still love this movie that I love for so yeah. long and then yeah. see shit that I that I just always accepted mm-hmm. and never thought twice about mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I'm like well damn no this makes sense with what people have been complaining about mm-hmm. what women have been saying mm-hmm. for decades mm-hmm. about these kinds mm-hmm. of films and you're just like oh wow so where did I put it now? And yeah. so it's an interesting transition to um, to do that. And some women who love those films too, oh, having yeah. their are having their own conversations with themselves mm-hmm. about why did I accept this when I was watching mm-hmm. it, and now I'm like, oh, uh, well, no, this actually is uncomfortable. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. I think it's really interesting too to talk about. And like Keller said, this is a big part of the this this show, John, mm. because we watched Superman Returns towards the beginning. Oh of the yeah. Year. With Kevin Spacey, Kevin Spacey yeah. and directed, directed by, by Brian Singer. Singer. Right, right. <laughs> we did not shy away from those topics. I mean, like you shouldn't. You know, and, right. and, and even some of the subject matter in that movie, the way Superman is presented, is mm-hmm. interesting even now just 10 years He's later. He's a fucking creep as yeah. well. You know, well, yeah. to, to discuss that. But yeah. um, but it's I think it's also... Uh, it's I hate that one anyway. Yeah. yeah. It's also really interesting. Don't worry, it made the list. <laughs> one of the 500 greatest yeah, movies ridiculous. ever made. ridiculous. It was 2008, and people just had, I think, residual love for Superman. That's They're like, ridiculous. we, you know, because Superman the movie is one of the greatest, and that's way high up in the list. But right, um, but looking at these films with the lens of like, where well, how how are like marginalized people treated in this story? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People of color, women in this movie, trans people potentially. Yeah, like there sure. was like prostitutes that it was like some of it's played for laughs, some of it's played for kind of like laughing or mm-hmm. at least like gawking at almost circus freaks yeah. type of a you know type yeah. of a thing and it's like some of it's malicious some of it's not some of it's they had a, they had a whole scene where there was a, bu- a group of people that uh, had down syndrome yeah. that had they, all went special needs. they all went and did cocaine they all went and did cocaine and yeah. danced and partied and i was like i like seeing them dance and party mm. yeah i don't like how the movie might be using these characters as a way to be like look or at our main character or when that pimp takes advantage of all of them and yeah. takes all of their money but there's like how much for these five guys 
There is exactly, but there is also an element of like I, I love this movie when it came out. I haven't rewatched it in years. Remember the movie The Other Sister? Yeah, sure. With Giovanni Ribisi and Juliet Lewis. And yeah. Juliet Lewis, and it was about two people that uh, that were um, that had like learning disabilities, kind of falling for each other. Mm-hmm. And there's a point that's like, is this movie sweet and good and positive, or is it a little bit of, you know, yeah, like you know, that that speech that Robert Downey Jr. says in Tropic Thunder, like right. about who wins the Oscar and who doesn't. You know what I mean? Like. Right. Is it exploitive? Exploitative. And um, and it's an interesting conversation to have. And in terms of like looking at how... Because I'll give you a perfect example. A movie I loved as a kid was Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Yeah. Boy, yep. oh boy. Everybody in the past five, ten years realized at the same time, oh, that movie is horrifically The part that everybody quotes. Quotes mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, John, I don't know where to put that movie yeah. in my brain, in my heart. Because I feel like that is an egregious... Like Einhorn is Finkel, man. Yeah. Finkel is Einhorn. Yeah. I don't know what to do yeah. with that. There are things I will always love about that movie, but then right. that movie also has a sequel. Yes, it is like sequel that's way less problematic. Racist, it is racist. It's super it's kinda, racist. Yeah, it's kind of racist. Yeah. Super racist. I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's, it's like, m- okay, fine. I have the mask. Well, yeah. that's, that was pretty sexist at times, but I have the mask. I have Dumb and Dumber. That's a pretty weird one, too. Mm. Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. I don't know. Does that one hold up just because they're well, so dumb and innocent? Yeah, I don't know. Are they? <laughs> but that's yeah. the thing, right? That's how yeah. you get away with it. It's yeah. like, oh, well, if we turn yeah. them dumb and innocent, then we can have them say inappropriate shit. And, yeah. and then we're okay with it. And that's, that's like, what, is that okay? Is that's, that okay? That's South Park. It's the four boys are like, well, they're, they're fourth graders. They don't know any better. Exactly, you know I mean? right. have some of these conversations. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, John, what would you say is the greatest film of all time? Or what's... Greatest film uh, and then your favorite film. Well, my, well, it's kind of one and the same. Okay, it then. is. Citizen Kane has always been my favorite film, and it is the greatest film really? of all time. Damn, yeah. you're one of those. Uh huh. I really am. I'm. I am the cliche, but also the cliche without being a cliche in my That's mind. A purist is what you call yeah, it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I discovered it when I was 16 years old, homesick from high school, and it was just when I was beginning to discover my love of films. Mm-hmm. I'd always loved film, but I didn't understand what it was like to analyze film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, um, I started to get magazines like Empire, like other magazines that were available at that time yeah. to read, premiere, that kind of thing. And uh, um, one day when I was homesick, um, I, you know, I drove up to Video World and I rented movies since I was going to be sitting on the couch all day getting better. And I rented uh, Citizen Kane, The Great White Hope, the James Earl Jones movie, and um, Apocalypse Now, I think. Damn. And so, You're 16 and you rented those things? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was deep into shit, like, yeah. in this, in the film side, right? I, yeah. I couldn't yeah. pick up a philosophy book to save my life. But film spoke to me in so many mm-hmm. ways. And so uh, I picked those movies up. And also because they said, these are some of the greatest films and blah, blah, blah. So I picked it up and... Uh, um, That's a triple hit. Yeah, Citizen Kane <laughs> blew my goddamn mind. Like, yeah. it just... Immediately, I was like, I understood almost instinctively what the medium of film could be, could become, could show. And I have revisited that film, I don't know, well over 5,000 times. This like, is in the 80s? Yeah, in the 80s. Oh, yeah, I saw okay. it in 1985, 86 for the first yeah. time. And so um, I have revisited, I own it in every version it's ever come out in. I've gone to see it here in LA many times in the theaters. Cool. And um, uh, I always, always get something new out of it depending really? on where I am at in my life like in my 40s looking at the movie now I see what he's seeing so you're looking at Orson Welles yeah at this point at this point right and also the character that's how old he was well, no he was 24 when he made the film holy shit 24 Kellen uh, John he I looked like he was 45 yeah, yeah he, well, he was, was yeah <laughs> well, and the age makeup is really good in that film yeah. for when he gets to his 70s and 80s he's 24 dude 
That's insane. The man was incredible. I already think it's insane that Paul Thomas Anderson did uh, Boogie Nights at 26. Yeah. 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 That's a good film, too. Yeah. I, I think it's insane that Ryan Coogler did Black Panther at 31. I think that's <laughs> well, when insane. when did Creed come out? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, know, two right? years before. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, when you, when you do the, when you watch the documentary, it's a great documentary on him, on him and making the movie, which is a two-hour PBS documentary. It's on the DVD if you, or Blu-ray if you ever get it. It's mm-hmm. fantastic. But, like, the film itself, like I said, when I saw it as a young kid, I was marveling at it. Mm-hmm. When I got into my 20s, I was just, like, I loving it, just loving it. It's a fun, enjoyable film. I know it's kind of depressing at the end, but it's, like, there's so much to learn. Then as I get older and you start to, like, see, like, you start to feel old and you start to see the end of your life. You start to see the possibilities and everything's changing around you. You watch the film and you're like, oh, man, this is, this is, there's more going on here from the, the joy of your youth to mm-hmm. now hitting your 40s. And you're like, oh, man, this... That was 20 years ago, and it's a it's a mindfuck to accept. And so when you watch the transition in the film, so and I had a girlfriend who came who I dated for like five years, right? And we, we didn't we didn't work out. We didn't always like see eye to eye on stuff. But near right after we broke up uh, for the last time, we had got tickets to see uh, Citizen Kane uh, over at the Egyptian. Mm-hmm, so we cool. go over and see it. And after the movie's done, we go get food, and halfway through the meal. She just kind of stops and she looks at me and she goes, I just want to say, having seen the movie, mm-hmm. I understand you now in wow. a way that I've never understood Damn, you before. Really? And I go, yeah, babe, that's why I love the film. It's <laughs> what, it is so connected, intrinsic to who I am as a person that when I say it, I don't mean it like the cliche. I mean it because legitimately it is my favorite film and it is the greatest film ever made. And it's one I've never stopped reading books about it yeah. and analyzing it and talking about it because there's so much... Because when you watch the film, um, he never gets to speak for himself. Everybody remembers what he says. So you're seeing the entire life of this man through everyone else's eyes but his account. own. Right. Wow. He never gets to speak for himself. Even from the beginning, the newsreel footage yeah. is him, is the newsreel footage man breaking down uh, breaking down uh, Charles Foster Kane. Mm-hmm. But every single person, because the film is an entire, is just an interview. It's, it's him interviewing different people throughout the whole movie. It's essentially Rashomon, if you've ever seen that. Mm-hmm. And it's everyone else telling you their interpretation of Charles Foster Kane, which is the, which is the basic theme of the movie. No matter who you think you are, mm-hmm. Everyone else has is been. has going to decide who you are. All right, Hector, put his fucking name down for ten years from now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. We we who we are is determined by the people we're around because they decide who we are. They hear yeah, us through their prison, through their lens, exactly. And Citizen so we Kane. can only hold on to ourselves. But everyone else decides who we are. In uh, as a, and when they do news pieces and when they do retrospectives, it's through the newspaper reporters or the yeah. or the yeah. or the uh, reporters' point of view. It's never through the your point of view wow it's, it's it's just a fascinating film in that way john how do you think you're going to feel about it in 10 years because it is number 28 on the list which means keller and i will be watching <laughs> it in the year 2028 well year. if i'm still alive you or if we be. still have a country right. uh <laughs> I, I said, will, we'll do this in a bunker yeah yeah fine i will come back and i will find you guys in the on bunker cb radio and sneak in sneak in breaker breaker one night uh, uh but yeah yeah what, that's if, all if i'm you, in because i have never seen the movie what I've never seen Citizen Kane. You're going to watch seen, it before 10 years I've from now. I've seen parts of it, scenes of it, and of course, everything that has permeated popular culture. Mm-hmm. So I know about the film. I've never seen mm-hmm, it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I might want to watch it before 10 years from now, like, <laughs> if I'm, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. But like, if you could describe 
other than your own personal connection to mm-hmm, the film, mm-hmm. which I think you did a very good job describing, uh, just objectively, you said greatest film mm-hmm, of all time. Mm-hmm. Two questions. Number one, yeah. do you think it can ever be topped? And number two, yeah. what is it about that film that is makes it the greatest of all time? I don't think it'll ever be topped because of the way that it it, it elevated the film medium and showed what you could do with it at mm-hmm. the time in 1941, mm-hmm. right? P- film is still relatively new. Um, mm-hmm. And you've had these great films before 1941 that are f- that are enjoyable to watch. Mm-hmm. But what he did with Angles, what he did with, uh, with Greg Toland, who was a cinematographer. Greg Toland was a very famous cinematographer. When Wells came to Hollywood, uh, somebody had come in to interview with Wells to be on the production, and they saw Greg Toland sitting in the waiting area with his like boards and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the guy comes out and goes, what are you doing here? Why, why are you waiting? He should be... He should be thanking his like his lucky stars that you even want to be part of this. But he yeah. just hired you immediately. He goes, mm-hmm. no, 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 I'm here because he's going to teach me more about my craft because he's not an old school Hollywood director mm-hmm. who knows how everything works. Mm-hmm. He's going to want to do shots that I've never thought to do, and he's going to teach me how to do it. And what was Orson Welles' background? Or- Orson Welles was a certified genius at ten years old. Uh, and it's, it's very similar to Kane. His dad, uh, he had an uneasy relationship with his dad. Mm-hmm. His mom died young. Uh, and so he like went to different, co- different schools, different colleges. And he became, he was just, he was just a genius, very, very smart. And so he started doing plays at a very young age, performing, mm-hmm. acting. He, uh, he talked his way into the uh, gate theater in Dublin at 17 years old with no experience saying he directed multiple plays all across Damn. Europe. Yeah. And they had brought it and they took him in because they believed him so much. And so he did that. Then he then when he came to New York, he started doing Shakespeare th- and he got money through the uh, uh, FDR programs that had set up the works programs to help artists mm-hmm. produce plays and get paid to produce plays and mm-hmm. do productions and whatever. Back then we took care of our artists. We mm-hmm. cared about our artists more. We didn't vilify them. Uh, uh, and they and so he started doing Shakespeare plays from that. So And then he started getting into voiceover stuff. So he was doing radio plays. Mm-hmm. And so he had started okay, his own yeah. production at Mercury Theater. And of course, War of the Worlds is very famous. But what you'll see in the documentary is that he would, ta- he would rent ambulances to drive him across town to different performances so that he could record, because he was recording multiple stations because he was recording multiple plays and multiple projects and also directing. And at that time, it wasn't illegal to hire an ambulance to drive you like an ambulance would drive you from place to place. So he would get there quicker. Yeah, which why he's a genius. Those little things like that. And he built this. Now, was he mercurial? Was he a difficult person to work with? Mm -hmm. Yes. Was there rumors that he used a real knife on stage and stabbed an actor during Shakespeare play? Yes. He was irresponsible in his treatment of his actors for the majority of his younger years. And that's where you get some of it. But he also took these people into a place of fame. We would have never gotten Joseph Cotton, Agnes Moorhead, numerous actors who've, mm-hmm. who've gone through the, the Orson Welles uh, uh, thing. But Orson Welles is also tragically self-destructive. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Kane, he went after William Randolph Hearst. That is who Citizen Kane is based on, mm-hmm. is William Randolph Hearst. You know, at this at this uh, uh, recording, the Hardwick stuff has just popped up, and mm-hmm. her, he's married to a Hearst granddaughter or great-granddaughter, yeah. mm-hmm. so he's connected to that money. It's mm-hmm. a lot of money. And at the mm-hmm. time, Hearst was so huge. Much money. Yeah, Hearst owned like multiple newspapers across the country. Yep. And so Kane it was reflected a machine. That. It was a machine. And the big rumor is that uh, he had a he had a mistress. That wasn't a rumor. Marion Davies was his mistress, but or his girlfriend at the time. She was a very young actress and uh, in her 20s or 30s, but people loved her, loved mm-hmm. her. And Randolph was in his 70s, right? So they threw out the parties. But um, the writer of the film, Herman Mankiewicz, he... Uh, 
um, was part of their group of people that they had over Hollywood people they would have over all the time. Mm-hmm. And Rosebud is supposed to be a nickname for Marion Davies' private parts that William Randolph Hearst oh had God. given oh, her. So Kane or uh, Wells, in his hubris, young hubris, twenty four yeah. years old, thought it'd be funny to put that in the film and Let's make that. It is pretty funny. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> and make that the linchpin of the movie, yeah. which is the slap, the rosebud. So yeah. you get that, and so when you when you hear all of that. You had, you have to marvel at his hubris, but you have to marvel his technical ability because all the the shots from below when he's ha- when he's in the campaign headquarters, mm-hmm. Greg Toland had never sh- no one had ever shot a, a shot from mm-hmm. below. Mm-hmm. So what Wells did was he took an axe and he just uh, cut through the wood mm-hmm. and they dug out a hole and they put the cameras that's where in the, the hole camera is and they're like shot. Pointed up, yep, pointed up, and that's where that first thing. So so like when they're going through the window and go all that stuff, th- this was all new stuff they'd never done before. Mm-hmm. And when you're watching that. That's what's incredible. The cinematography, the script is incredible. The music works, mm-hmm. the back and forth between the actors, the progression of the story, the fact that it's told in three separate timelines. Mm-hmm. Three separate timelines. It's incredible. And in that way, that's why I think it's a phenomenal film. Now, what was the second question? Uh, you, answered it. you answered it when I, when I asked if you think it could ever be topped. And no. you answered it right at the beginning yeah. of, that, of that spiel, and you said no. No, and I've and, tried. Yeah. Yeah. I've tried, like, I've watched movies sometimes to be like, oh, is this better? Is this better? And it doesn't quite get there for me. I find I find issues with just about every great film that I can't quite 100% give it over a cane. But that's my own personal point of view. No, so. it's not just yours. I think, I think mm. a lot of people think of Citizen Kane as the first, like, modern film and everything else is just kind of copying great it. Great point. And the way that you were describing the technology mm-hmm. used, the, the, the innovation... Mm-hmm. I can already I already know the answer to this. Story-wise, something like James Cameron's Avatar doesn't come close nope. to a lot of other movies that even came out that same year, story-wise, mm-hmm. but technology-wise, Cameron is trying to push the 3D mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Do you think that technology-wise we could ever top Citizen Kane's innovation with like if they did come out with like the next thing is going to be hologram film or yeah. what, you know what I mean like in our future, what is the future of filmmaking? Well, I think that's a good question. I think it, I think we already have to be honest with you. Okay. And the same levels, technical levels. Right. I think we've already seen that. Because some of the great cinematographers and directors know what they're doing with that equipment. And the equipment has advanced so much and so quickly. Yes. But yes. Orson Welles innovated so many ways mm-hmm. in one place and at one Exactly. Point. And, and that's the difference. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that's the difference. The technical achievements will be topped. The yeah. technical achievement in one film, yeah, I don't think will ever be topped. does not yeah. exist. Yeah. Yeah, man, you make a really good case for Citizen Kane. <laughs> yeah, you do. Being the greatest <laughs> film of all time. I can't argue that. I get mad when... They take it off the list sometimes, but Vertigo yeah. above. Vertigo is not even the best Hitchcock film. What's the best Hitchcock film? I think it's Rear Window, but I've only seen like a couple Hitchcock. I movies. need to know what you think the best Fincher film is too. Yeah, John. And then I need to know Hold what on, you think of our favorite okay, movie. Right. He's looking it up. He's looking, <laughs> looking it up. Let me look it up. Um, and then how do you feel about The Iron Giant, which is Hector's favorite movie? Oh yeah. Oh, I love The Iron Di- Giant. Yeah. Uh, did you like seeing it in Ready Player One, or were you upset about how it was used? Um. Considering I, you're a I, massive fan. Yeah, I remember when, uh, you know, somebody asked Brad Bird that. I think I saw it on Slash. Oh, did they really? Somebody okay. asked Brad Bird because he's doing promotions for Incredibles 2, which right. if you guys haven't seen it, go see it. It's great. Rewatch The Incredibles, Jack, Jack, Attack, and then go see Incredibles 2. But somebody asked him, and he, and he very politely, I think he answered in the most diplomatic way possible, which doesn't surprise me because mm-hmm. Brad, Brad Bird did He's the like, same I'm thing. I'm glad someone loves the character. <laughs> yeah. Like, kind of, yeah. Because somebody tried to, tried to really great. lean into how do you feel about it because that's not really the giant's purpose. And in Ready right. Player One, he's this big sort of weapon. 
and I think Brad Bird said something to the effect of, you know, I saw that. I wasn't really following it, but I saw that he was in there, and I thought it was cool that he was being used in the movie, in Spielberg's movie. Yeah. Kind of nice. Again, this is the same guy, Brad Bird, when I was at an Iron Giant panel yeah. years ago. At the end of the panel, this little girl stood up, and she asked the last question. We didn't know it was going to be the last question, but she asked the question, how do you feel having made the best Superman movie? And the audience lost it. They wow. were like, oh, and, and clapped and applauded her, you know, uh-huh. that she came up with this question or that she asked it if yeah. somebody else, if a parent was like, go say this. But she asked it and Brad Bird was like, you know, there's no like classy way to answer that. So I'll just say, thank you so much for coming out. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. That's what he did because Brad Bird is, uh, you know, he knows what he's doing. Oh, of course. He knows what to say and what not to say. But I can't wait till he's in charge yeah. of Star Wars. You think that's going to happen? Oh, I think he's a possibility somebody they should look they at should to give do him a Star Wars something film. for yeah. sure. I would yeah. give him a trilogy right now. Yeah. yeah. I would. I would yeah. remove Ryan Johnson and give have him a trilogy. You've seen Incredibles too? I have. They seen need it twice. to give him a Marvel movie too. I've seen it twice, Incredibles well, 2. I don't um, want I him to do a superhero movie because I feel like People have already said Incredibles is the best superhero action you it's, can get. It's Fantastic Four, essentially. Any, I feel like anything that he what would have he wanted did the to Fantastic say, Four? I would rather him do Johnny Quest. Because he loves Johnny Quest. Mm. And I'm like, Johnny Quest is leaning even more into that 60s vibe. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if he were to do it, even though I want Johnny Quest to be relevant and cool and current, mm-hmm. I would love for them to try to tackle Haji in 2018. <laughs> but if Brad Bird did it and he was like, I'm setting it in the 60s, it's going to be 1965, I'd be like, you know what? Perfect. Do yeah. a good job. It's going to be so fun. Michael Giacchino better do the score. Of like, course. Of course. Um, and even that would almost be a little hmm. too on the nose. Yeah. John right now is currently searching best okay. Hitchcock, hmm. and his decision I, is... I might have to amend my statement, though, but I think North by Northwest is a better film. Than Re- Vertigo. Rear Window bores me sometimes. That's, that's why I haven't... That's it is why a, bit, a lot of sitting and watching. Yeah. But Vertigo has grown on me, so maybe I should... I should I, sometimes I say that out, out, out of turn, but Vertigo has grown on me because of... The obsession of Jimmy Stewart, like especially if you look at it through now, through the days mm-hmm. now, like he's an mm-hmm. even more terrible, terrible person mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. I haven't even he, seen Vertigo. You haven't? No. Oh man, he comes obsessed with a woman. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. what ha- he gets tricked because mm. there's because he gets he he's a he's a detective who has Vertigo, mm-hmm. and he gets Vertigo right at the beginning of the film because they're chasing a, a suspect over the rooftops. Oh yeah, and he jumps and slides down and can't quite, and he's holding on, and when he looks down. They show the vertigo, which yeah. is great, very yeah. well done, and the whole time he's being taken care of by uh, Barbara Belgettis, who is the who people remember from Dallas. She was the mm-hmm. uh, matriarch on the on the show, but mm-hmm. like um, the whole time she's taking care of him, telling him how much. Like she's, it's very obvious that she's in love with him, but mm-hmm. he's just kind of ignoring her, and he gets assigned to do this case to to protect this woman who is this guy's wife, uh, but the guy is setting him up because he's gonna kill this woman. Um, mm-hmm. off the roof. But what he does, the other guy, is he hires an actress to play this woman. So the whole person that Jimmy Stewart is chasing or following and making sure she's all right, he slowly becomes obsessed with her, starts mm-hmm. falling in love with her. And so when she gets thrown off the roof, he slips into another depression, which was what he'd had at the beginning of the movie with the vertigo, thinking she's died. So he randomly, just randomly, runs into the actress who's working as a salesperson at this store. And she knows him immediately, uh, but they kind of start to have a little bit of a like relationship mm-hmm. and start to see each other. And then slowly but surely, he starts to change her appearance and change her look and make her look exactly like the yeah. woman he oh, had been dang. pursuing, yeah. even though she had played this woman. So now her... Uh, uh, she yeah. gets crazy about yeah. it because he's so upset. He will only love her if she looks like someone else. Instead of loving her for who she is, he wants to create her 
as some fantasy. So yeah, there's dang. this thing is working on multiple levels. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I have to amend my statement. I think That's fine. I think Vertigo no, is a good Hitchcock. To be fair best, though, you were only talking shit about Vertigo because you're like, yeah, you're like it's coming up on my. It's Citizen not Citizen Kane. Kane. It's not. Citizen it's not Citizen Kane. I think that we it's can not. agree. It may be his best Hitchcock, but it's it's not. not. Citizen what do you think? But Fincher, is, yeah, what's Fincher, Fincher is uh, it's a tie between Social Network and Zodiac. Okay, that's an accurate statement. Perfect. That I agree with. Perfect. Zodiac is a crack for me. It's intelligent. It's so crack. Fucking good. It's yeah. brain. Crack. I could throw that on anytime. Yep. Yeah. It's three it hours long, and mm-hmm. I can throw it on whenever. Yep. Social network is so goddamn relevant. Still. Yeah. Still. I listen to that later. Score all the time. Mm-hmm. Still. When did wait? When did uh, social network come out? Like 2010? Yeah, it was like 2010. Zodiac was in 08, I think. And yeah. Social network was mm-hmm. 2010. Man. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, I mean, I love Fight Club and I love Seven, but those two are the mm-hmm. ones that mm-hmm. like that's a those he, like set him apart. He yeah. went to masterpiece level yeah. with those two movies. Yeah. And, I and hope people say Social does Network doesn't hold up as well anymore. Bullshit. Yeah. I, I saw it again like three months ago. It's the still whole good. thing. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, Justin Timberlake you can take a lake, leave or take, sure. whatever you want to sure. do. But that, I think it's kind of perfect that Justin Timberlake's in the movie. Too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's part of it. That's, that's part true. of this, like how it's we chase point. fame and how, <laughs> that's how, that's how, that's how the Facebook was created. Yeah. Is this kind of gross, ugly, like we got the guy from Napster. It's like, who cares? That guy's a douchebag. Yeah, exactly. Which is so interesting. What do you think is, John, what do you think is the best? I know you got to get out of here, but we're going to yep. pick your brain because we got you here. Okay. My favorite movie is Empire of the Sun. Really? Steven yeah. Spielberg. I love That's that movie. Keller's all right, my man. favorite of all time. Okay. Keller, and you know, and Empire of the Sun was the first time I was ever disappointed in Spielberg. Really? Yeah. Really? Because I watched it and I was like... <sighs> have, okay, how many really? times have and, you seen but it's, it? But I'm weird though, Keller. Like, I don't like Goonies. I don't like... Yeah, me neither. I don't love it either. Yeah, I don't, I like, think, I don't think E.T. Bale's is that performance great. performance might be the best child performance of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, you should, you can certainly make a case. Who who can top that? Who, you can make Drew, a case. Who Drew Barrymore and E. T. Who can top it? She mm. she is good. Her crying mm-hmm. is very um, good. Jonathan Lipnicki and Jerry Maguire. Who mm. can top it? Mm. I got nothing. Maybe Kirsten Dunst in Interview with a Vampire. She's very good. Yeah, she's very good. But in that. certainly not a lead. So yeah. that's incredible yeah. to carry the whole film. So I respect so that. So have absolutely. you have you changed your feelings about Empire of the Sun since revisiting no. it? No. no. Every time okay. I watch it, it's to me it's just. It it's it's the pacing of it that's a bit slow for me, but sure. but once again, these are perspective films, they're subjective yeah. films rather, and that in mm-hmm. the pacing that speaks for you mm-hmm. does just doesn't work for me. That's all. And, and, and like I about, like that long slow burn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Way that they do it, you, with, you, and I don't mind long slow burn movies because mm-hmm. Terrence Malick. I have enjoyed every single Terrence Malick film I've seen in the last twenty years, and and yeah. I'm one of those rare people that goes and sees it when they come out. Yeah, they are random stream of consciousness. Did you see Night of Cups? I saw Night of Cups. Tree of Life. Yeah, That's Tree of Life is Tree of Life is probably his most coherent one that he's released in the last yeah. fifteen years. Uh, but every single other one is just stream of conscious. Well, you and know what's interesting nuts. is that you feel I feel like you expect that from Malik. Yes, but you just you were describing you're like for Spielberg you were yeah. a little disappointed maybe yeah. because you're used to different and Spielberg definitely has a quicker pace mm-hmm. than most directors in mm-hmm. Empire he kind of slows it down a he little does bit. Slow Empire it down. He does. slows it down. Uh, what do you think is the best Spielberg? Ooh. I think his best. Oh well, listen. What are you yeah. asking? My favorite or best? Both. Best is Schindler's. Okay. Best I think. Pro- it pr- yeah. Just yeah. technical achievement yeah. wise, and the fact that he does none of his bullshit that he does in all his other films. Yeah. There's no sun shots. Yeah. There's no touchy feely happy ending. Yeah. The, it and he pulls no punches on the. Did ferocity. you watch that documentary? The Spielberg yeah. documentary. Yeah. And him that just was talking incredible. about. And then we had to go cry for three hours. Yeah. 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 
because yeah. that's when you do a film right that's what happens mm-hmm. and so that that was an incredible film i think my favorite is either jaws or raiders like those yeah. are the two favorites i love yeah those yeah. two I, yeah. think, I think i like jaws better than raiders <laughs> you can I, you, mark riley would love you because yeah, that's, that's a great i watch jaws every fourth of july yeah mm-hmm. it's a it's a necessity it's jaws like is amazing you're a huge close encounters guy day. oh yeah i do love close you're encounters huge close encounters did you see when i came show out? it to people mm-hmm. I, 19 no. no the 40th anniversary when they came out with the 40th <laughs> i went saw it in theaters yeah right with scott mance introducing it and shit yeah that was awesome this is the movie i show it to people now and they're like i don't like it that's insane. A lot of people hate the ending. <sighs> because it's, um, because even Spielberg has said, I think it's very interesting. If he had made the movie after he had kids, his ending would have changed. Yeah. It would have been. No. He would have stayed. And I think that is a very okay. honest and interesting perspective. But that perspective. is such a good study of that obsession. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like I agree. He, could, he couldn't not. I agree. He had to. Oh, because he, he disregards with, the children yes, and his wife. Goes. Yes. Listen, yeah. welcome to the real world. Sometimes <laughs> people become so obsessed with things that they move forward. If you change the ending, I think you change the point of the movie. Exactly. Absolutely. Completely. Absolutely. Yeah. Because he was driven by whatever he was. He was unhappy mm-hmm. in his life. Mm-hmm. And this is, it was very clear from the beginning. The, the movie scene with the newspapers right from the beginning, mm-hmm. the kid in the crib, all that. Terry Gar is probably it's very obvious she's settled for him mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. it's it's he's just unhappy and he's with the wrong woman because she does not understand when he breaks down mm-hmm. she does not want to stand by him and support him and help him through it she's immediately looking for a way out yeah and the movie does such a great job and a lot of Spielbergs do this of showing you the and that one, happens it's not negative it just happens it mm-hmm. happens yeah. the one thing that changes the world forever the one that is the most incredible like supernatural thing and in Close Encounters it's aliens and in E.T. Mm. it's aliens and in Jurassic Park it's dinosaurs and in Jaws it's this shark and in all mm-hmm. of these movies he, he has that one thing and to lean into Close Encounters of the Third Kind having the character go this, but this is the most important thing that's ever happened to humanity of course I'm going to get on that fucking ship right. like this is it it's the same as when Dr. Alan Grant and Ellie Sattler see brontosauruses mm-hmm. you know it's just the most incredible like that, that mm-hmm. you're all in as an audience member and you kind of buy it so, so Spielberg, yeah. yeah he's a big Close Encounters guy I think my favorite is probably Jurassic Park oh, yeah. Jurassic even, Park is even over because it's a hugely influential movie for my life even over calm down it's, it, it's not pretty perfect. It's, hey, I'll say It's a this. good film. John, I'm It could be reading, a great film. John. It's not pretty perfect. John, I'm reading the book Jurassic Park right <laughs> yeah, now for the Michael first Crichton time. Book. Michael Crichton book. As far as like a blockbuster yeah, goes, yes. that it's, movie it's a good fires book. on it every is. cylinder. It's, there's just, All the performances are great. The music's perfect. The yeah. effects hold up. Yeah, the effects, man. <laughs> I love it. Kelly got so upset. You should see his face. <laughs> yeah, his face changed. It's pretty perfect. I know you're a guest, but fuck off. No, I, think I did write down on this piece of paper. <laughs> fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> Slid it over. Keller's a big uh, Wes Anderson guy. Oh, I, I love Wes I Anderson. I do love you know? Wes Anderson. Uh, What's your favorite Anderson? Oh, Anderson? God damn. That's tough. Yeah, Life Aquatic's my favorite. Really? Everybody That's the least definitive. appreciated one, and you love I, that one. Yeah. I fucking love that How movie. interesting. That movie, mm-hmm. the father-son stuff in that movie. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gets me mm-hmm. hard. When Ned dies, gets me hard. You, you got the spa- you got the, the you got the, a snake coming out of your pants when you see this. Yeah, exactly. It gets you hard. It gets me so hard. Too hard, I love Owen Wilson when he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> he just, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I love Moonrise Kingdom. I absolutely yeah. love Moonrise Kingdom and Tenenbaums. Tenenbaums to yep. me is one I've grown I to appreciate love more and more. Too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think Darjeeling is the only one I've ever hated of his. You hated mm-hmm. it? Yeah, I hated it. I, I, I it. turned it off halfway in. Oh, wow. Uh, halfway, I was like, this is, I'm bored out of my Have fucking you ever mind. Did you even make it to Angela? Nope, never finished it. Whoa! There, there are certain films I've never, I never finished Batman and Robin. Never finished. Batman. I, wow. I, I've never made it past okay, the motorcycle. Be, what if you were, did you walk out of Darjeeling Limited? Hang out of the theater? Yeah. 
Was it this? Did you walk out of the no, theater? No, no, no. I rented it. Yeah, okay. yeah. And I was watching it at home and I was like, no. Ha- have okay. you ever walked out of a theater? Yes. What three movie? times. What are the three? Man on a Ledge. I Let me guess out one. Of Let me guess with one. a group of friends. <laughs> I was like, guys, can't fucking do this wow. shit. Wow. <laughs> Let me guess. Adam Sandler's Eight Crazy Nights. <laughs> I never went to see that. Okay, great. <laughs> Turner and Hooch. Wow. I, I just I hated that movie. Yeah, I don't I get the whole... Like it. I said, I'm weird. Yeah. I, I just didn't like that movie. I walked the fuck out. I was <laughs> like, I could care like, less. You're like, I don't buy that this dog could help in this case. <laughs> Her dog is the main character. <laughs> I was so irritated. I walked okay. out of that. Uh, I walked out of Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. Um, you walked out in the Yeah. Theaters. As soon as the motorcycle thing happened with Lisa sure. Silverstone, I was like, I just can't. Sure. You're killing everything I love about okay. Batman world. And okay. I walked the fuck out. Okay. Because uh, Batman Forever was already pushing the, ba- the limits. Yeah, yeah. And then he pulled out the black Amex card. And I was like, mm-hmm. fuck off. Mm-hmm. Um, um, oh, um, what was, oh, yeah. Bulletproof. The one with Adam Sandler and Damon Wayans. I walked out of that. I film. didn't see that. Oh, sure. God. It's so sure. terrible. But me, my dad and I walked out of Judge Dredd and my dad said, I am never going to see a Sylvester Stallone movie with you ever again. Because I at the did time. Did you pick it? Oh, you yeah. At the it? time, yeah. I went to see everything Sylvester yeah. did yeah. at the time. Yeah, but, yeah. You can't do that anymore. Is that nope. not a good movie? Oh, it's so bad. Okay. Um, it's the Dread is great. Dread Judge is great. Dredd sucks. You know what's so funny? I think that Judge Dredd, the movie, mm-hmm. it does suck. But it has a better story and world than Demolition Man, and Demolition Man's the favorite. People enjoy you know Demolition I mean? Man because more. Because Demolition Man's Bullock. more enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why. Yeah. Because, it, because for those reasons. And speaking of the enjoyability, I got to ask this because I want to mm-hmm. get your opinion, then we get you out of here. Yeah. Somebody the other day, were, we were talking about the movie Spawn. That super. Oh, yeah, yeah. From 1997. Michael J. White. Yes, they're year. remaking it, right? Yes. Yep. Todd McFarlane yes. is. And Jamie Foxx is going to be in mm-hmm. it. And it came out the same year as Batman and Robin. And <laughs> this guy that I work with said, I hate Spawn because I feel like it did worse for the character than did good for mm. the character of Spawn, the comic book character. Mm-hmm. And I disagreed with him because I was like, here's the thing. I feel like a lot of people forgive Spawn because it came out in 1997. It has mm. now, all these years later, has this nostalgic value that, oh yeah, they did it. John Leguizamo was in it. Michael J. White, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. But they're more forgiving to it because they knew that it came from a different era of filmmaking versus something like, let's say, 2011's Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I think Green Lantern did more harm for Green Lantern as a character and property than Spawn did. Mm-hmm. I think people still think fondly of Spawn, the comic book character. People mm-hmm. think Green Lantern is dumb. And I have to pitch Green Lantern. It's like, no, it could, it could be cool. It's Hector's really cool. Hector's wearing a Green Lantern shirt right now. Actually, I am. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. I really am, guys. But my question it's true. is, it's true. now that we've had we get since... get it, Hector. It's since, cool. Yeah. Since 19... I'm like wearing In a darkest ring. night. Guys, darkest night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> since 1997 now, with how it seems like the most popular genre right now and the, oh. the things that are getting greenlit the most is Hands superhero. Down. Hands, Hands down. down. Mm-hmm. And we've had three very good Batman films, mm-hmm. and they're planning to make more. We've had good animated Batman movies, Lego Batman movies. Mm-hmm. At this point, could you not go back and watch 1997's Batman and Robin with that enjoyable, like, oh, who cares? We eventually did get good Batman stuff. Or is it something that's tainted for you forever? Brother, that whole series is tainted for me. I, I don't. From, from Tim Burton's Batman. Uh huh. That wow. doesn't hold up for me anymore. I think it's, it's cheesy and I don't campy. think the first one it's holds tough. up. Batman Returns holds up. It's also boring. But yeah, Batman fir- Returns yeah. holds Batman up. Returns holds it's, up. It's a full on Tim Burton film. Right. It's yeah. separate. Yes. Than that is a that is Tim Burton's fully realized mm-hmm. version of a superhero. And Danny DeVito. And Danny DeVito's so great. And yeah. so is Michelle Pfeiffer. 
And yeah. so they're mm-hmm. both really, really good as a combo in yeah. that film. So the Batman Returns holds up, but Batman, I did this, uh, I did that with uh, um, Spencer, his show that he had on Screen Junkies, uh-huh. and I and uh-huh. we, does we it hold visit, up? yeah, does it hold up? And mm-hmm. I was very clear, I don't think Batman holds up. It's cheesy. Wow. The only thing that holds up is the soundtrack. That yes. still works. The Prince songs still work yes. for me, but the movie it's itself, I'm like, I, I Joker's did. not some fat middle aged former hitman. Yeah. That's not who the Joker is. No, no offense Jack to Jack Nicholson, Nicholson. Does a good job. He does. Michael Keaton does a good job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, it's it's not no. who those characters hold up are, and from, it's a boring from, movie from, from comic book world. And you know what's funny is I think yeah. I'm in the same. I'm a huge Spider-Man guy. I love okay, Batman. yeah. I'm a huge Spider-Man guy, and and I'm lucky or unfortunate that since 2002 they made five, <laughs> and then they did a sixth one under Marvel Studios with right. their help. I will still think those Spider-Man movies. I, I still think fondly of them. Which ones? The Raimi ones, and even the Mark Webb ones. Wow. Even even parts. Okay. There the, are parts of those one and two that are amazing, very good, yeah, to where the, they understand the Spider-Man. Thank you, Keller. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Andrew Garfield, I think, is great, and I think he's in mm-hmm. bad movies. But mm-hmm. like you know, there are moments where I'm like, "That's Spider-Man that's from Spider-Man. the comic book. That's Peter Parker. That's yeah. And the Raimi ones too. But a lot of the Raimi stuff, it's only been. 15 years right. doesn't hold up. Not at yeah. all. Because it's even that's from a different... It's mm-hmm. almost closer to Tim Burton's Batman mm-hmm. than it is to modern superhero movies. I'd say so. the thing that people say they love Batman, they love Spider-Man mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man 2 is a Batman. It's yeah. very boring. He's not mm. Spider-Man for most of the movies. He's not. That's yeah. really interesting about yeah. Spider-Man 2. He's not, yeah. And a lot of people complain the same thing with The, the Dark Knight, that it's not a Batman movie. Correct. It's a crime movie that yes. it just happens to have Batman in it. But and has Batman and Joker has more He's the greatest talk. detective, so you can make a crime movie with Batman. Exactly. So you yeah. can get away with it. That's but the it, thing it, you're but allowed. the Christopher Nolan trilogy is not a full-on, let's embrace the DC comic book universe. Right. Batman up on screen movie. Yeah. You look at a lot of MCU movies. Iron Man is Iron Man. Mm-hmm. The Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah, they nailed it. Like yeah. Thor Ragnarok even is like, yeah, that's there's some Thor shit in there. There's really yeah. crazy Marvel, you know, Black Panther is Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Infinity War is Thanos. Like, it's all up there. But uh, that Christopher Nolan trilogy, as much as I love it, that Bane is not Bane. No. Right. We're ne- we would never see Mr. Freeze or Killer Croc or Poison Ivy or Clayface or these types of characters. Yeah. In, you know what I mean? That's not, not Nolan's universe, no. Not Nolan's mm-hmm. universe. That's so, what's so great about it. So it, it's, yep. that's what's great. But see, now you have those Batmans, mm-hmm. and, but you said the old series is tainted. No yeah. part of you can go back and can you do Adam West Batman TV show? Adam West, I can. But because that's okay. different because it's cheesy fun, and yeah. I know what it is, yeah. right? And and he's but actually but pretty you, respectful of Catwoman through the whole series. Yeah, and Batgirl, and Batgirl. But yeah. for you, the Tim Burton can't be cheesy fun because it's already just in your brain. It's something. Yeah, it, because it tries too hard. Well, also like we were talking about Superbad. If you it's look at the way tone. Kim Basinger is treated through that whole movie, it's yeah, ridiculous. Dude. This is a woman who's been to Cordo Maltese and seen devastation and genocide. Yeah, but she's gonna squeal because uh, a Joker does stuff. Uh, That's it's bullshit. Same with yeah. Lois Lane. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah, in yeah. Ba- in, anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, except the first one. The first one, she's great. Oh, she is great because she holds her own. And then Margot the next Kidder one, does. she's just so yeah, she's love. They make her so dumb. Yeah, yeah I yeah, agree. And that, that's the frustration that I feel with Tim Burton's Batman. That and the cheesy campiness of it too. But also, Kim Basinger's character is useless in that movie, yeah. and that's unfortunate because she's that supposed to be good. so. Cap- yeah, she's supposed to be kick ass. Like, because she, of course, she could give Robert Wool- Robert Wool's way below her league, so she yeah. can control him and yeah. mess around with him and be the alpha in that situation. But she should be should should have been able to give as good as she gets to uh, uh, Michael Keaton's Batman because of everything that she's experienced and seen, mm-hmm. and he. He gives her credit when he first meets her. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're the photographer. And then that this, would just this, make this, you like her so much more Agreed. if she did. Agreed. Mm-hmm. That's okay. what I'm waiting to see that. Okay. Last, last, last question for you. Because <laughs> okay. I'm fascinated about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amy Adams' Lois Lane isn't terrible. 
It isn't terrible. I like Man of Steel. But could, but I, I love Man of Steel. I like Man of Steel. As I well. like the how, music's basically what makes it for me. They, honestly, they let Lois in on the secret. I think was so smart, but I yeah. want to see more of that Pulitzer Prize winning reporter. Yeah, well, well, yeah. If they ever fucking do a sequel, I know, man. Okay, well, okay. So Sorry. the question I want to so ask: mad at DC You seem that, you, you know, seem like shit, a big man. Batman guy. They're going to be mm-hmm. making another one. Yeah. What would you do if you were in charge? Also, Joaquin Phoenix is the Joker. Well, that's a separate movie. Yeah, I know, but that's I, listen, Todd Phillips. I don't okay care. I don't care about John's opinions about. <laughs> I want. I want this actor to play Batman. I don't care. I want to know what's your pitch for um, like a story and a villain. Do you know what I mean? That, they, that, that what would you do to to, well, to make the Batman film? I think Hush is a great idea. Mm. Um, you read that yet, Keller? I don't think so. Batman oh. Hush. I'll let you borrow it. That's so good. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of a younger Batman, but you got to do with something that, different than Nolan did because Nolan did a great job with Batman Begins. They should do Batman Begins. Brazal Ghul, having him go with League of Assassins, having him figure it all out. I mean, just. Smart. All of that was brilliant so in how you portrayed him. Origin's done. We can't do yeah. that again. Yeah, I mean, that'd be tough to do. And you can't do a lot of year one, which is Mazzuccelli's fantastic uh, mm-hmm. series, because a lot of that was used in Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, a lot of that. So for me, I think that's you'd have to find a new origin way into Batman. Um, and not like what, what they did with Affleck, where he's just Batman, that's it. There's no real like yeah. thing, you know? Oh, and yeah. I, I would like to see more of that. But that's that's the story I hope they tell, is a little more, is a, is a, is a gr- even grittier version of Batman that never that doesn't lose the magic, right? Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. thing that some people forget is sometimes, is Bruce Wayne has an incredible relationship with Alfred, but we got to see that build, mm-hmm. right? And we got to see that be there through mm-hmm. the whole thing. And so that's what I would like to see, something that's you a know, little more fleshed out Hush is and a enjoyable. Great- Hush was great because Hush is the character of Tommy Elliot, mm-hmm. and they were childhood friends. Him exactly. and Bruce Wayne. So then mm-hmm. we would get some insight into him. Oh as yeah, you get some good flashbacks. That yeah. would, and and they'd finally pay off the Harvey Dent storyline too, which is Harvey Dent and him were college friends or best friends mm-hmm. growing up as well. And then Harvey turns evil because of what happens in the courtroom and the acid. And they've never really explored that character correctly in any of the movies, in not my even opinion. Aaron Eckhart. Not, not even the Aaron Eckhart because yeah. they turned it into cheese, where he's just going Rachel. It just it drove me insane. And of course, Har- the less said about Tommy Lee Jones' version, the better. But like, <laughs> yeah, this- they just—I didn't like when they just threw villains in and didn't give you anything yeah. for yeah. them at all. And it's well, like yeah. the Two Face is in this. Oh, we know the Two Face. <laughs> <laughs> the Two Face. Well, yeah. that's what bothered me about Spider-Man Three. Oh, here's Sandman. Oh, yeah. here's Venom, and yeah. here's this, and yeah. it just drove me nuts. But like, and but Sandman is pretty good in that. He's but, yeah. Thomas in church. Yeah. This thing with um, Batman, with what you're going to do with the character—that's that's the most important thing. Is is you have to understand the relationships of Batman with the people in his life mm-hmm. and you have to understand they have to portray that really well that's going to be the key because mm-hmm. we've become I think more cognizant as an audience of relationships between our characters and movies mm-hmm. like the nuances of them mm-hmm. we're no longer black and white no longer exists for us but we enjoy the nuances the complexities that's what we search for in good entertainment even in superhero entertainment I mean mm-hmm. the Civil War doesn't happen if we're not yep. conditioned yep. by uh, changes in our uh, pop culture and psychology and the acceptance of all this idea of more going on in people's heads mental health stuff if we don't as a society change mm-hmm. uh, there's no way we accept Civil War where well, we have two heroes fighting each other mm-hmm. because of 
principles that we can understand and get so we don't have the black and white necessarily. And so I'd love to see that in Batman more. I'd love to see this version of Batman, some of that explored in a way that makes sense so that you see, oh, my best friend turned evil. Shit, what do I do with that? Mm-hmm. What, what yeah. are their moments? That's what the best part of Killing Joke, the graphic novel is, mm-hmm. is when it has he has that moment where Batman says it's not too late to change or turn around. And he's looking at his reflection in that glass and he says... It, you, there's just this moment where he considers it and he says, no, it's too late for me. And that's what you yeah. want to see, those yeah. relationships, real stuff. Who did, who was he talking to in that scene in the comic book, it's too late for me? Uh, it, to Joker. To Joker. Yeah, yeah. because they're Joker in... Joker had one bad day. Right, cause, right exactly, because yeah. he's because yeah. it's told in flashback to when he was the Red Hood and all that. And so when he has that moment with him, it's 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 to me, it's the top three most powerful moment in any Batman mm-hmm. uh, comic book or series or graphic novel ever is that moment because we've always just accepted Joker as this evil foil for him, his greatest villain. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, they turned him human and Mm -hmm. we could understand that. And that's the thing. You have to understand evil in order to defeat it. You can't just say it's evil. You have to understand the genesis of it so that you can nip it in the bud or cut it off. But I also do like the the Joker that we don't know anything about. I like that version of the Joker too. Right, and that's why Heath Ledger's works so well because he tells three different origin stories. And they address it. Yes. Yes. They address that you don't know it at least. That's the key. Yep. Well, guys, this has been a discussion about Santa Sangre. <laughs> yeah, think, exactly. I think. Do we remember yeah. that? Yeah. Uh, Santa Sangre. <laughs> we fell off pretty quick. Yeah, we, <laughs> we all agreed. We're like, let's get that shit out of the way. Yeah. Um, not a great film. Does mm. it deserve to be in the top 500 greatest movies of all time? I say no. John? I say no. Keller? No. What would it replace it with? I'd like to see more of uh, Jodorowsky's films and okay. see if he... Other films? Yeah. I don't know if he's like... Prolific me, in any way, or like, is he if he's a big deal? Let me check. Does really he deserve to have a movie on a list to see if he uh, well, there's isn't uh, didn't he do El Topo or something like that? What does he do? I forget what the film is that he did. It was really wait, what's uh, Jodorowsky's first name? Alejandro. Let me see if he has any other movies on the list. Oh, good call. And uh, no, this is his only one. Wow, is Santa Sangre. Then I don't know. No, it doesn't belong on the list. <laughs> I would agree with that. I would also agree with that. I'd replace it with Incredibles 2, which is in theaters now. Go see it. Um, El Topo, yeah, that's what I would replace Disney it gives with. us okay. no money. Topo. Yeah. El Topo we'll is the one that. that they should replace it John, with. John, thank you yep. so much oh. for showing up on a Saturday morning thank early. You. We're going to get thank you out of here so you can so go have much. your day. Where yeah. can people follow you and your work? What do you want to promote, brother? Oh, yeah, you guys can always follow me um, at The Roca Says, R-O-C-H-A. That's my homage to The Rock. Um, but <laughs> you can, um, if you want to listen to us break or me break down more films, uh, I do it with my friend Steve Morris, who's a film professor here in Los Angeles. We do it on the cinema files cinna dash files with an f and you can uh, find that on itunes we've done 100 episodes and we've broken Very down cool. many many films and we spent an entire month on citizen king that's impressive oh, that was, John, which is well, a lot of fun when keller and i are done we'll have 500 episodes so <laughs> respect yeah. respect respect and we'll be older yeah <laughs> yes you will be, yes, um, you will be. Um, and i highly recommend um, everybody listening to go and listen to the cinephiles and yep. listen to john and uh steven discuss film because if you couldn't tell Keller having a conversation with John about movies whether I agree or disagree with him it is always a pleasure and it's it's always more informed than what I was going to say (laughs) (laughs) well that comes with time and and also the top 10 show and Outlaw Nation on the SK Plus Plus podcast channel which is Smoj No podcast channel you can find that there it's a lot of fun those two podcasts next week we are discussing oh boy Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> Dead Man's Chest, the second one from yeah. 2006. So everybody go watch Black Pearl 
Yeah. And meet us yeah. next Monday. Yeah. And uh, you can watch Dead Man's Chest on Netflix in the United States. It's streaming for free. So you can do that or rent it wherever else. And our guest is going to be Matt Acevedo. So that's going to be a lot oh, of fun. Oh, nice. Uh, so that's going to be great. But yeah, we do have a rule on the podcast that if we come across a sequel, mm-hmm. Keller and I have to watch any movie that comes before it, before we watch wow. it. Like just to, yeah. just to have that context. So, so commitment. So, we get to rewatch Pirates 1, which is great, and then we'll be talking about Pirates 2 after discussing it. And Pirates 1 is on the list, like, higher up. Like right. five years it's from now. Or something. It's, yeah, a long time from now. But that's okay. going to be next week, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest with Davy Jones and all that bullshit. And, uh, <laughs> and we'll see you guys next week. Bye, our... You want to say bye, John? Bye, everyone. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Thanks for having <laughs> me just, on, guys. You were pausing. Sorry, I didn't were... know if I was no, supposed to say. Of course. Goodbye, right. everyone. Thanks Let's for having me Let's take that again. Okay, no, just right. kidding. No, okay, hey, bye. Right. <laughs> bye. <laughs>